What's up? It's your pal when she gets thought, I guess, and this is The Bar is Low. Every episode we take a look at a fanfiction or collection of fanfictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. It's come to my attention that there is a disturbing lack of fanfic on this show, especially lately. No, and I'm not talking about your One Direction self-insert fanfiction written by 13-year-old girls on Wattpad. And no, I'm not talking about your adopted by 21 pilots fanfiction that's also written by 13-year-old girls on Wattpad. No, my friends, I am talking about Norwegian black metal. I realize that there's a weird subset of people who come here to listen exclusively to the fanfic episodes, so this one's for you guys. It's been a while since I've done one of these, and that has to change now, because it's time for me to talk about a girl called Melly from DeviantArt. Fanfic is essentially where I began my fanfiction journey. It is what taught me how insane the internet is, and today it continues to do just that, more than Disney porn or erotica of any other children's media ever could, to be honest. Because there's something very strange about writing mpreg fluff about edgy Scandinavian teenagers who burned churches, dabbled in Nazism and Satanism, and killed each other. There won't be any mpreg today, don't worry about that. But if you don't believe me, episode 9. Also episode 40, but episode 9 deals with a fic that's a personal favorite of mine, so I'd recommend that one. Either way, writing fanfic about real people, especially this particular set of people, by which I mean Norwegian black metal bands, it's fucking weird, and that goes for shipping them with each other or with yourself. Today's fucked up meter rating is an 8 out of 10 for just the black metal scene. There isn't any graphic sexual content today, but there is an attempted rape, and we do talk about the various crimes committed by people in the early Norwegian black metal scene. Most specifically, what could have been a hate crime of stabbing a gay man to death. There's also a romantic relationship between a 17-year-old and a 31-year-old, so that's a bit twisted. And I'm going to spend a good chunk of this intro talking about Nazis. You'll see why in a moment. Now, Melly, we have to talk about this author a little bit. Who is she? What sort of person writes in broken English about black middle guys falling in love with each other or with her? This girl does not even disguise her self-inserts. They all have the same name as her. First of all, Melly's European and English is not her first language. So, all right, non-native speakers trying to write in a second language, maybe even a third language. I don't fucking know how many languages she knows. I have to acknowledge that handing her over misspellings and weird phrasing and short chapters is kind of a dick move. So because of that, I'll try to cut down on that portion portion of the critiques. This whole podcast is a dick move, let's be real here. You know it, I know it, we all know it, but I don't feel bad about making fun of this girl because of some of the things you're about to learn about her. So what's more interesting than this girl herself is perhaps the company she keeps. She hasn't posted since 2015, but her DeviantArt journals reveal a bit about her life up to that point. I have no idea what she's been up to since then, but let's talk a little bit about what we do know. First off, she is, or at least was, dating a neo-Nazi. Here's a quote about him that she fucking wrote in one of her journals. He may be a skinhead. He may be extremely racist. He may have the terrible habit of saluting friends in the middle of the street by doing the Nazi salutation. But gosh, he's just so, so sweet, so tender. He's always there for me. I don't know whether to laugh or cry at that. I'm really not sure. The boyfriend loves animals, though. They apparently had a cat named Hitler. The cat died. Also not sure if I should laugh or cry. I mean, rip the cat, because it didn't deserve that. But I don't know. Do you guys think that's as bad as H.P. Lovecraft's cat's name? Melly's final few journal entries are about how her boyfriend got fired from his job in a kindergarten where he works with Muslim children for 
being a Nazi. And then she took that shit to court and lost the case. Let me bet here on the show I've made my stance about pedophiles pretty clear already, but let me make my stance on Nazis very clear as well. So if you're a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer like Melly here, for that matter, turn off this podcast and grab your fucking German World War II replica rifle or whatever the fuck you have. I don't care how you do it. And just shoot yourself in the head. All right, we're clear. So I'm going to roast the shit out of Melly. I was hesitant to put her in the Barslow Hall of Shame because she at least makes me laugh, but after some careful consideration, that's exactly where she belongs. Of course, let's discuss Melly's writing style before we start. Like I already said, she's not very good at English, and I'm not going to go after her that hard here, but there are some phrases and misused words that I found kind of puzzling, even though her writing is mostly comprehensible. Uh, I will point out a few of them, but not too many. She writes short chapters, which, you know, makes sense if you're writing in a language you don't know very well, but this lends itself to a real lack of detail. The character interactions feel kind of stilted. I I feel like she should have done more with body language instead of relying so heavily on dialogue. This girl also understands that stories should have plot devices and structures, but she has no idea how to integrate certain events into the larger story. For example, a character in today's second fic will be assaulted on his way to work for absolutely no reason. And the aftermath of this is used as an intimate moment between two characters as one of them worries about the other. But these street punks were never established and they're never mentioned again after that. The character is never even like, gee, I'm afraid to walk to and from work now because I got the crap beat out of me that one time. He just goes on with his life like it never happened. Another instance of this is when Belly realizes that her fic needs to have a climax so she arbitrarily has someone attempt to rape the main character. There is no build up to this. We never establish the rapist as a character. He basically comes out of nowhere. But again, what Melly does understand about plot devices is that you can use them to strengthen character relationships. So even though both of these examples were incredibly contrived and contributed nothing to any sort of overarching plot, they did serve some sort of purpose. They helped the characters bond a little bit. And Melly can also be pretty funny sometimes. I'll give her that as well. There are a few good lines and humorous scenes. I'll point them out when we get to them. So let's get into this. She has a fanfic about a bunch of black metal bands, Doom of Work Year, Satyricon, Karach on Gren, I'm probably mispronouncing that, Gorgoroth, Burzum, Emperor, and Mayhem. And we're going to be kind of all over the place with these bands. We'll start off with a self-insert fic about Gorgoroth and then one unholy mess of black metal guys all trying to fuck each other in what I like to call a love dodecahedron of doom. Okay, technically it's a heptagon of doom, but dodecahedron is my favorite word besides vigorously, so fuck you, it's a dodecahedron. Flocky-knocky hillopillification is also a very good word. It's one of my favorites. Just throwing that out there. I'm not going to bother to go through the background of black metal either, like I did for some of the other Benefic episodes. I'm working under the assumption that you already know black metal history, or that you can pause the episode and do some quick research. I'll put in some quick refreshers when I feel that's necessary, but I'm not going to go into detail about everyone and all the crimes they committed. So let's go, let's talk about Melly the Nazi sympathizer and her black metal romance fanfictions, because that's how we do it here on The Bar is Low. Okay, so this first one. I've never really listened to Gorgoroth because I've got to draw the line somewhere when it comes to separating art from the artist. Their guitarist rapes someone, their vocalist tortured people on, I think, two different occasions. I don't fuck with that. But, you know, who does fuck with that apparently is Melly. I'm going to make fun of her for writing a self-insert fic about King of Hell, who, to my knowledge, hasn't committed any major crimes like those other two guys. 
but I'm still gonna rip on her for going after the bassist. Really? The bassist? No one likes bassists. You can't even hear them most of the time, especially not in black metal. Like, I got bitches as a drummer, but as a bassist, that, like, gets me no pussy. Melly, what the fuck are you smoking? The only metal subgenre where bass is important is doom metal. I'm gonna keep it real with you guys. So we start off with Melly reminding us that King of Hell's day job is as a first grade teacher, which... You know, that's just so not metal. Like, if your day job isn't working in a morgue or digging graves or something equally gruesome, then you're a poser, I have to say it. So anyway, it's a new school year and King notices a certain student. Now, King teaches first grade. Okay, I just presented the information in that order in hopes of freaking you out. King does not romance a first grader. He romances the first grader's older sister, which is still creepy, but it's a lot less disturbing than it could have been. So yeah, the bar's low. The first grader, I guess, is an adaptation of one of the friends Melly has in real life that she sometimes talks about in her DeviantArt journals. They have the same name, so that's why I'm making that assumption. They're called Bjorn. I wonder if Bjorn consented to be in this fanfiction. I wonder what Melly's friends think of her writing black metal fanfiction at all. I wonder what Melly's Nazi boyfriend thinks of her self-inserts. Oh, you better not be thirsting after Euronymous's thick commie ass, Melly. If you're writing self-insert fanfiction again, those guys better be fascists like Varg. Bjorn is a very troubled child and he confesses to King that he lives alone with his 17-year-old sister because their parents are dead and social workers are all evil. They're trying to separate them. Oh no! Melly also, she fucking has the audacity to call the main character of this fic an OC when it is a blatant self-insert. Like, it could not be more obvious. They have the same fucking name. It's not an OC. Don't call it an OC. It's you. So King goes and decides to talk to Bjorn's sister, Melly. Told you, same fucking name. Because I guess the teacher can just do that and doesn't have to go through the administration and won't get in trouble for that. And they show up and Melly's just fucking wearing her Gorgoroth shirt and she's like, Hello, I am broke as shit. Please don't call Child Protective Services on me. And this author deadass wrote herself into her own story as a prostitute. But it's because she just cares so much about her little brother that she had to make ends meet somehow. But CPS, or whatever the fucking Norwegian equivalent of that is, shows up while King is visiting and Melly just passes right out because she's just that freaked out. And he just grabs him, takes him to his house. Man, okay, okay adopted by Gorgoroth isn't really something I expected to see today, but okay. Sure. I don't know why Melly went unconscious either, like, see a doctor or a therapist if someone knocking on your door makes you so afraid that you pass out. Like, y'all have good health care over there in Norway, fucking use it. So King's really out there entertaining these children and trying to feed them. For weeks, apparently, and no one has found out about this. CPS isn't like, hey, this house where these people used to live is clearly deserted now. They must have gone somewhere else and we have to find them. And the school isn't like, hmm, Bjorn's teacher is driving him to school every day. What's up with that? Basically, what I'm saying is that I feel like they would get caught because King isn't exactly running a secure, safe house. So he keeps him at his place for five weeks, which is, you know, sketchy. And he doesn't learn Melly's name until, like, she walks in on him sexually playing a Gorgoroth song on guitar. I also find it really funny that Amelia is spelled with one M in Melly's username, but she spells it with two M's in the fic. This girl doesn't know how to spell her own name. What is up with that? Maybe this is her way of saying, like, hey, look, guys, it is a different person. How could you ever think that this is just some sort of self-insert? 
Millie has apparently been through a lot of shit. She won't go outside or even go next to the windows. Like, this bitch has a vendetta against CPS. They were really out here calling them the evil men. She freaks out when someone knocks on the door or when the phone rings. Damn, girl, just go to therapy. But Melly does trust King for some reason, because, like, he tries to bond with her. Like, he teaches her some guitar, which apparently means he has to touch her hands and shit. You don't need to touch someone to teach them guitar. You just need to have two guitars, which most people who are serious about music tend to have. I also feel like since Melly is triggered by everything, having someone touch her wouldn't be very fun. And by the way, I'm going to say triggered a lot in this episode. I'm, I'm not using it as the memeified version of that word. I'm using it as the genuine psychological term that it originally was before the internet got its grubby little hands all over it. And indeed, Melly is triggered by being touched when she wakes up next to King the next morning. Like, they didn't fuck or anything, but he reaches out to caress her hair and she's like, nope. And she just, like, runs some other room. We also find king's age out right about now he's 31 and she's 17 things haven't been gross between them yet but knowing where this is going can you say creep it's worth noting that this was written by the younger party though i don't know who's listening who needs to hear this but if you're a teenager even if you're technically legal and you're interested in a 30 year old like that's bad it's their responsibility as an adult to shut you down if you make advances on them but if they don't do that that should set off some alarm bells for you Ugh, why couldn't this just have been an adopted by gorgoroth fake i mean i guess the little brother kind of gets adopted by gorgoroth but no why couldn't they both have been adopted by gorgoroth Next, King wants to take Melly out to the park, but Melly's nervous about going outside, being recognized. And King's like, oh, couples go out, and I think of us as a couple now. A couple of besties! Um, I'm not a creep yet. He also, like, threatens to stab anyone who makes her feel unsafe. Like, say goodbye to your job, King, and to your two fugitive children. Melly freaks out on him again, and then apologizes for it, and she doesn't tell him, like, a full backstory of what happened to her, but she mentions she's been through some shit, which is obvious considering how she acts. Whoa, did I just compliment Melly's writing? Did she just show and not tell? Whoa, yeah, she did. Would you look at that? I still don't know why she trusts him so much. Like, he took her away from the evil CPS people, but he could very well be grooming her and her brother for some horrible shit he's about to do to them. 75% of rapes, Melly. Or some other ridiculous stat like that. Like, the majority of rapes are perpetrated by someone the victim knows and trusts. And he doesn't even have to rape her for something horrible to happen to her and her brother. He could just be like, hey, Gaul, you want some new people to torture in your basement? These two look like fantastic candidates. I, I guess she trusts him because he's in one of her favorite bands. I wouldn't trust anyone in Gorgoroth, even if I did like them. Like, they've gotten up to some serious shit. But yeah, apparently King and Melly like each other, and the little brother Bjorn is better at picking up social cues than I am. But he also doesn't know that a budding romance between a teenager and a man in his 30s should be stomped out. So he just sees them sleeping next to each other one night, like he brings them a blanket, covers them. Almost wholesome. This nosy little shit is asking them if they kiss yet the next morning though. Fucking kids, goddammit. So King invites Gaul over, and strangely enough, it's, it's the guy who tortures people for six hours at a time and makes them drink their own blood, who's the voice of reason here. He's like, dude, don't get excited. It's nice that you took them in, but she's only 17, don't get any ideas. I also remember reading that, like, Gaul likes him young. So I don't know why he's telling King off, but, you know, I'll take what I can get. 
Also, I don't remember the exact nature of Gaul's crime. It's been a while since I like looked at that shit and researched it, but yeah, he did some fucked up stuff and he's just genuinely a horrifying person. I would not like to meet him ever. And Melly's not great about meeting him either, but if I were her and I was nervous about having anyone new come into my one safe area, like he'd be one of the last people I'd want to meet. Like I'd shut King down straight the fuck away. Like, ugh. King offers that Melly join the band staff as a photographer because she mentioned earlier that she'd been studying in school before she had to drop out. And everyone's like, hey, I guess we could give her a try. We sure can't hire a real professional. And then finally, Melly does go outside because I guess after you've hung out with Gaul, the outdoors aren't scary anymore. He even takes her to a Gorgoroth rehearsal where she meets Infernus and Frost, who's sessioning for them. And they be all like, King be fucking that teenage girl, huh? Ugh. It also says that they have to drive three hours to get to rehearsal. There are a lot of bad things about being in a band, and I would fucking know. But one of the worst is when you have a long-ass drive to get to your rehearsal. The other is dealing with annoying straight boys who think that saying slurs is okay. It's not worth it. Don't join bands, guys. The world doesn't need your shitty music. And it doesn't need my shitty music either, but it really doesn't need your shitty music. On the way back, King confesses his love for Melly, but she was asleep. <laughs> Rip in peace, King. That's the universe giving you a second chance, my dude. Or I guess maybe not. Like, they keep seeing each other in various states of undress because of issues with the shower or something and then the sexual tension is mounting and Bjorn keeps being such a little shit like oh have you kissed yet have you kissed yet have you have you have, 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 have. and finally Melly's like you know I would kiss you but I just don't know how to do it <laughs> King says this is an actual quote I'm a teacher remember why do y'all think this is necessary if I were Melly, though, I might have just kissed him to shut up that annoying fucking kid. Like, he's only six, so he's not gonna be like, have you fucked yet? They do have, like, some intimate moments. Like, they don't have sex, but they have, like, sensual exchanges, or rather Melly's attempt at it, which I gotta say isn't terrible. It's not great either, but you do get the vibe of tenderness that she was going for. This is where we get my favorite line also right after this. Gorgoroth is coming over so Melly makes lunch for them. I, I, I thought this was adopted by Gorgoroth, not the author adopts Gorgoroth. Do you think that older members of fandom write I adopts X person instead of adopted by whoever fix? I might have to look into that. So she has to make a lot of food for a lot of people and her brother wanders up and in a display of the broken English that I've been mostly glossing over this episode, he asks, Melly, why so many salad? And I don't know why that line just cracks me the fuck up, but it does. Like, every time there's too much of something, I'll just say to myself, Melly, why so many salad? Or Melly, why so many of whatever this is that there's too much of? Like, Melly, why so many bad English? Melly, why so many fire family incest porn? Melly, why so many Nazis still exist? Like, that line became an inside joke for me for a while. I don't know why it stuck with me, but it has. The rest of Gorgoroth is weirded out now that King and Melly are in a relationship. You know, as they should be, but they start saying some shit like, Oh, it would sure be weird if your six-year-old student became your brother-in-law or if he became an uncle. Like, no one said things are going that far, you guys. Bjorn makes fun of Frost's eyeliner, though. I appreciated that. He's like, did your sister let you put on her makeup? 
I don't remember which one it was. It was either Frost or the other guy in that band. I think it was in Until the Light Takes Us documentary. I might have been something else, but he was just on a plane and there was like this little kid sitting next to him and he was just staring straight ahead, looking like vaguely distressed. And the kid was just like, who's this weird dude sitting next to me? <laughs> like, I think he was afraid of the kid. So this is what it reminded me of. <laughs> There's a few scenes of Melly and Bjorn meeting various black metal guys who all fawn over the little brother, which okay, fine, it's kind of cute. They're all his uncles now. It's wholesome. But with all this winding down and kind of dragging on at this point, you know, you have the two protagonists together. So what next? Melly decided to throw in some arbitrary thing about her watching Gorgoroth play. And after the show, one of her former clients tries to rape her backstage and King and the lads step in and save her. This is the scenario I talked about in the intro. It just doesn't work. It was totally unnecessary and shoehorned in and she really wrote herself in there as a damsel though and it ends like pretty soon after that king comforts her and there's some black metal babysitting not much to it but the black metal guys try to teach bjorn how to draw a pentagram which is pretty great so excluding the horrible contrived attempted rape scene there wasn't really a climax it just should have ended with them getting together i think their relationship did evolve in a kind of natural way at least relative to the next fic we're gonna talk about Still don't get why she lashed on to him like that when she's so distrustful of pretty much everything else. I don't like that the end game was a highly questionable relationship between a teenager and a guy in his 30s. Like, I'm not sure if it's more or less frightening that this is a self-insert because it's easy to dismiss this as some girl's fantasy that she knows will never happen. But it's also like, if an older man tries to take advantage of you in real life, are you gonna just let him do that? Because you think it's cool to have attention from adults like that. So the verdict on this one was that it was pretty bad. It still had a few good aspects, though. I did like that they were able to convey that Melly had been through some shit by having her react to triggers instead of having her monologue about a tragic backstory. And okay, the black metal babysitting was kind of cute. Fine. I'll say it. So that was our self-insert. Let's get to the love dodecahedron of doom fic, which I think is worse, but more exciting. The main character here is... Faust from Emperor, but the Mayhem and Burzum guys are also in it. Now, if you don't know, or if I have to remind you, a lot of people in the black metal scene went to jail for various crimes, and Faust's crime was stabbing a gay man to death. Was it an unprovoked hate crime? Did he think he was going to get raped? Perhaps something in the middle? Who knows? Either way, it's ironic not to mention straight up uncomfortable as hell to be writing gay fanfiction about him, considering that killing a gay guy is a big thing he's known for. I don't get that, I don't even get that a little bit. Melly, what the fuck is wrong with you? So we open up on Faust going to Euronymous's record shop and just asking for a job. God, I wish it was that easy. Why can't this be how it works in real life? Euro hires him, assuming that he ran away from home because that's... They're edgy teenagers. I guess that's just what edgy teenagers do. So Euro sees him writing a letter to his mom four weeks into the job and asks what's up, prompting Faust to tell him his story. Pretty much he's like just a mommy's boy, but he doesn't like his mother's new boyfriend, so he just peaced the fuck out. I don't know why Melly didn't reveal his backstory in this scene instead of expositing it in the narration. We could have had a bonding scene between these two characters, but no, you just don't know how to write. This fic also does a horrible job establishing that Faust is making friends by telling us just straight up, like, 
Faust is making friends. Melly, have you ever heard of Show Don't Tell? You did it pretty well in the last fic. For the record, I don't know which of these two she wrote first, so she might have learned or unlearned it in between them. But it's just basically like, yeah, Euronymous is like a big brother. Faust is friends with Mannheim and Samoth now. Like, show us that shit. Don't just say that they're friends. But when Nelly does show us stuff, it's also bad. And I think that's because, first off, there isn't really a plot to back up these interactions and make them more meaningful. Like, in the last Vic, Nelly was running away from CPS and recovering from her trauma. But there isn't really much of an inciting incident here other than this character is in a new place and there's not really conflict. He's getting along with everyone fine. And second, they started off in the middle of these characters' relationships. They just skipped right over the beginnings. That's not something you want to do if you're trying to write a slow burn. Not that this is exactly a slow burn. It's not smut either. It doesn't exist to eliminate existing relationships between characters or in this case people either. We're here to see these characters fall in love, but there's no reason for them to do so. We need to see the chemistry develop. You can't just make them have chemistry straight away by skipping over the beginning. And then fucking Varg comes to fuck shit up. Fuck that guy. I always find it weird when there's like fic that pairs him up with Euronymous. Like, Varg killed Euronymous in real life. It would be an interesting relationship to explore if this was like a TV show or something. Like, just to see how they started off and how they declined to the point of murder, but real life you're pairing them together that just rubs me the wrong way these banfic episodes in general just rub me the wrong way so yeah apparently varg and Euronymous are dating which is weird to say but hey that's the fic and varg is acting all cold and standoffish to faust because he doesn't know him yet and faust is jealous of varg because he likes euro too but manheim who's faust's best buddy and the former drummer for mayhem even though their current drummer is nowhere to be seen in this fic well manheim is like don't worry about them faust you got me are you confused yet there's a reason i called this fic the love dodecahedron of doom and faust He's such a little bitch in this fic. For the record, I have very little idea of what he's like in real life, but stabbing someone to death doesn't seem like something that a little bitch would do, so I'm gonna go ahead and say that Faust is probably a lot of things, but a little bitch likely isn't one of them. Like, he just walks in and sees Euro and Varg making out in the record store, and he just starts crying. <laughs> he just starts crying. But Euro is oblivious as shit. He's just like, what's wrong? Do you, like, have a headache or something? And these motherfuckers hug, like, oh, just guys being dudes, dudes being guys, you know. Everyone in the black circle is a fucking edgelord trying to look tougher than all the other guys. I have a real hard time believing that Euronymous or Faust would hug each other and whisper words of comfort and sweet nothings into one another's ears. Euronymous is, like, the mom friend here. He's like... Do you want some aspirin? Did someone call you mean names? Do you need a hug? You can tell me everything's sweaty. But Faust just leaves and goes back to Mannheim's place and they sleep together, like not in a fucking way, just a lying next to each other sort of way. And Mannheim is so mad that Euronis made his friend sad. The next day, and this is the thing I talk about in the intro, some random punk kids beat up Faust on his way to the record store. This is the device used to spur the relationship between him and Euronymous, but it's just so poorly done. Like, have a plot. You can't have one isolated instance that's painfully contrived and shoehorned in in place of one of those. That's just not how fiction works. So Euronymous once again comforts Faust, which leads to some fucking idiotic moments, such as 
by saying that he's been having a bad time lately because he likes someone who's taken, but he doesn't reveal that it's Geronimus himself. You know, he's not having a bad time because he just got the shit beat out of him in the street and fears for his safety now. Melly, have you ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs or just, you know, common sense? Safety comes before being in a relationship. Another idiotic moment occurs when Euronymous tells Faust not to let the other Black Circle guys know that he's screwing Varg, which I thought they all knew that already. Someone told Faust that they were dating, but the text does not say who. And Faust is like, it's your right. Gay is okay. Faust who stabbed a gay man to death. Okay, sure. Another stupid moment. Euronymous being heteronormative, like, talk to her, that girl you like, who's apparently taken, because, you know, as a gay person myself, I love it when everyone assumes that I'm straight. I like other people to feel that pain, so I only use opposite gender pronouns when I'm talking about someone's love interest. And things start getting fucky when Dead dies, because y'all know how Euronymous was like, oh shit, that's dope, and took pictures of Dead's brains coming out of his head in real life that happened in real life. Now this seems quite out of character with how Melly has established Euronymous. So far, he seemed like a caring person who isn't afraid to let people get close to him, like he'll hug you and kiss your boo-boos. But here we have that in stark contrast to something that he actually did, which was not give a fuck when his bandmate killed himself. But this event still doesn't matter that much in the plot. It does cue us in as the audience that Euronymous is kind of a piece of shit, but it doesn't stop Faust from having a crush on him. Faust starts crying for his mom. This is the second time he's just burst into tears, and we're only five chapters into this. He's sad that Dead died because they just had a dope conversation about love and the power of hugs because that's totally fucking metal. And he's sad that Euronymous is actually a heartless bastard and he, like, runs to Mannheim, who kisses his head, and then Faust decides to visit home, and he cries again when he sees his mom, which brings his little bitch-o-meter up to three, and he confesses that he likes a man, and he's sad that the man doesn't like him back. Faust, who stabbed a gay guy to death. That's this person we're talking about. That night, Dead visits him, like, as a ghost, to give him love advice and tell him to give up on Euronymous and pursue Mannheim instead. Dead is also naked for this scene for no reason at all. Faust is very confused about this too, you know, about having a naked ghost in his room, and he expresses that by saying, why is there a naked ghost in my room? <laughs> and this boy, dead ass, he goes and crawls into bed with his mom because he misses sleeping next to Mannheim. Faust, Faust, you're 17 years old, you're a big boy, you're too old to be sleeping with mommy. Dead's ghost continues to visit him over the Christmas season and tells him a story that further adds to the dodecahedron-ness of this tangle of romances that we already have. He tells him that he used to like Euronymous, but eventually he realized that he was kind of an asshole and he decided to get with Necrobutcher instead. Am I gonna have to make a diagram of this? Like, at least the dead love triangle is in the past, not clicking up the love quadrilateral we have going on in the main narrative. But damn, unnecessary, that's what I gotta say about that. Apparently, Dad asks Faust to visit Necrobutcher and tell him that he loves him, which is weird because Dead's ghost visits Necrobutcher? Like, tell him yourself, I don't know why you needed a middleman. So once Christmas is over, Faust goes back to work at the record store. Here's a quote about his mental state. He was feeling better now, but he would feel much better if Varg slipped in the ice and broke his neck. Hey, you know what? Same. I rejoiced when Varg's YouTube channel got taken down, but if he just straight up died, I'd fuck with it. 
But something else happens, not that good, but still good for Faust. It's that Euronymous and Varg are broken up. And now Faust gets all hopeful that he's a chance with him now. You know, Faust who stabbed a gay man to death. And like, in spite of like kissing Mannheim when they reunited, he's still interested in Euro. And fucking hell, dude. Dead. Well, he came back from the dead to tell you that you have a perfectly good man waiting for you and you should stop wasting your time with Euronymous. If a ghost gave me relationship advice, I'd pay more attention to that than I would relationship advice from some living person. This fucking idiot. Like, Euronymous puts the moves over on him and Dead is like whispering in his ear the whole time like, don't do it, you nasty little hoe, as their faces get fucking closer and closer. And, you know, while I would listen to a ghost relationship advice, I also wouldn't want the ghost to cock block me or just generally appear whenever he felt like it because a bitch needs some privacy. Why couldn't Dead just be a vampire so he has to be invited in? Faust also happens to be an idiot in the department of not gushing to the guy who has a crush on him that he just scored with the person that he likes more than him. Mannheim is a sad little bitch about it. He's so disturbed that he just wanders the street in his socks. <laughs> and there's this line like Varg says this about Euronymous once Faust like asks him something about him. Like I grew up and realized he's a two-sided coin and both sides are shit. <laughs> Actually I kind of like that line. I'm not gonna lie. So pretty soon, Faust does find out that Euronymous is just using him to make Varg jealous, because Euro will pretty much just be affectionate towards him when Varg is around, and he feels used, and Dead's ghost is like, I told you, you dumb bitch, you were warned and didn't listen. Like, Dead is straight up the angel on Faust's shoulder. Like, Faust doesn't have a demon on his other shoulder, because he is his own demon. Also, I thought I should mention that Samoth and Isan are also in this fic, like, just as background characters because they're the other members of Emperor along with Faust, but they have just, like, this epic bromance going on. Like, they always appear together. To be honest, if there's anyone this fic's making me ship, it's them. And not even in a gay way, necessarily, just their bromance is so good. I think the narration calls them evil twins. I fuck with it. And the whole gang meets up for Euronymous to tell them to torch some churches, and Varg to be like, that's my idea. And I guess they just start burning churches, but like off screen. But Faust doesn't want to burn churches because he'd rather stab gay men to death. Whoops, I mean, because it's the wrong thing to do. But Euronymous is like, I will fuck you so good. I will validate you so much if you come burn these churches with me. So Faust does that. He feels bad about that. But you know what he does right after that? He stabs the gay man to death. Yes, they included that in this fan fiction. I did not remember that. And I don't like that it's here. They played off as the guy was being a big creep, but Faust let him on for the express purpose of stabbing him to death in the forest. You're not helping me sympathize with his character, Melly. It makes no sense in the context of the story either. You could have had his motivation be that burning churches wasn't enough. He wanted Euronymous Senpai to notice him, so he upped his game to murder, but no, he was just filled with so much teenage angst and confusion that he has to stab a man to death because that is a completely reasonable thing to do. And not to mention that just talking outside the literary flaws of this scene, you turn what might have been a hate crime in real life into a source of gay drama. I feel like that really crosses a line. I, like, that just feels so incredibly tasteless to me, more so than anything else has been up to this point. The murder scene itself is just horribly written, too. It's just like, Faust took out his knife and stabbed the guy, and he ran away crying because that's just what he does in this fic. He just cries, angst, and has gay thoughts. 
Faust runs home, confesses this all to Mannheim once they see each other again, and Mannheim is like, dude, what the fuck? Like, yeah, fucking tell him, but he backs off like, fuck, dude, I'm sorry. I know you were having a bad time, that's why you stabbed a man to death in the forest, because that is a reasonable reaction to be confused about who you want to be with. It's okay. I'll still fuck you if you're a murderer. I don't know, man. Killing people is kind of a deal breaker for most people. Gotta say it. What the fuck? But Euronymous finds out about this murder and he's impressed. And Faust has finally had it with him. He's like, no, this is bad. This is about more than just our competition to see who's the edgiest among us. So like, fuck off. This boy runs home to Mannheim and they kiss and Mannheim finally confesses his love for him and Faust doesn't know if he feels the same way yet and the police come knocking on his door and then he goes to jail for 14 years but Mannheim visits him every day and they're still together when he gets out of jail. That wrapped up really fast. Okay, what kind of resolution was that? So that's the fake. I really want to critique the motivations for the murder and its placement within the story as a plot device because there are some things that can sure be said about that and I already said some of them but I am going to critique that they put it in there in the first place. It's just, it's so tasteless. And we're supposed to view Faust as being a sympathetic character even after he kills someone for basically no reason. This is less taste than any fucking fun for the whole family episode I've done, any Dick Slayer episode I've done. We're talking about real people, a real guy who was murdered, and y'all used it to augment your fucking gay drama about a guy who quite possibly committed a hate crime against a gay person. Maybe the guy who died was a rapist preying on teenagers. Maybe he just got a little too drunk that day. Neither the details nor Faust's attitudes about his action are particularly clear even now. But either way, yeah, this is just an extreme example of why I dislike real person fiction. And I, I think Melly's she has to go in the Hall of Shame now. So that genuinely kind of pissed me off. And I don't get seriously pissed off on this show too much, but damn, like... I still don't really want to tell Melly to go fuck herself, so I'm just gonna say that, Melly, I hope you outgrow your fucking Nazi phase, and I'm, I'm glad you stopped writing shitty fanfic about criminals who may have made music you enjoyed, but that doesn't change the fact that they're, at best, people of questionable character, if not just straight-up bad people, and you shouldn't romanticize their actions, and you know what? Also, go fuck yourself. Why not say it? Go fuck yourself, Melly. Your writing, while it is not complete shit, is still bad, and you should feel bad. So today we covered Unchain My Heart and Chant of the Barbarian Wolves by Amelia666db. Bar is low is on Instagram. You can find us at the bar is low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us. You know what's coming up next. If you have a fix to suggest, feel free to get in contact with me. And if you want to drop a rating review on iTunes, that'd be real cool. I'm not going to beg you for five stars. Give me however many damn stars you think I deserve. As always, I'm your pal Wanchikis Thoticus. This is the bar is low. Thank you for joining me and that's all for today.